Hi! You're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about a trick for conquering sadness, how Neanderthals may have relieved their pain with a familiar drug, and the surprising science of how cows talk to each other. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Or as cows might say, moo. That is what they would say, isn't it? <laughs> Here's a trick. Next time you feel sad, give that sadness a name. Then give it a personality, a physical appearance, a conversational style, and maybe a desire. Seriously. According to recent research in the Journal of Consumer Psychology, thinking of your sadness as a person may help you feel less sad. This is basically an extension of what psychologists have known for a while. When faced with something challenging, it's good to think about what you would tell a friend to do. You're likely to be more gentle with yourself since you're observing the problem at a distance. Likewise, the study found that individuals asked to think of their sadness as a person reported feeling less sad afterward, probably because they were able to increase the distance between themselves and their challenging emotions. So let's pretend you're feeling sad because you came across an ex on Facebook. You say to yourself, the sadness, named Gwendolyn, is jealous that this person has moved on. Why has Gwendolyn shown up? Maybe because she's worried she'll be alone forever. Then you might be able to respond to your sadness thoughtfully and compassionately instead of criticizing yourself for feeling it or doing something impulsive. But a word of warning, this strategy is specifically for sadness. It could backfire if it's used on positive feelings. The researchers found that imagining your happiness as a person will dilute its effects in the same way, which you don't want. So watch out, you could become too powerful for your own good. The researchers also say they just don't know if the same strategy will work for other feelings like guilt or embarrassment. Those feelings are more involved with the self and detaching might not work. Likewise, depression is a much more complex experience and this strategy might be too simple to tackle it. But the bottom line seems to be that distancing yourself from your feelings can help you process challenging emotions. So take a step back, give your sadness a name and move through it. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. We've got your number, Gwendolyn. Gwendolyn. Get out of here, Gwendolyn. Apologies if your name is Gwendolyn and you're listening to this. No Gwendolyns were harmed in the making of this podcast. <laughs> when you have a toothache, you probably don't blame it on Gwendolyn. You probably reach for pain medication. And according to scientists, guess who else did? Neanderthals. Samples from Neanderthals' dental plaque show evidence that sick Neanderthals reached for plants that contained the active ingredient in aspirin. Here's the deal. In 2017, an international team performed DNA tests on fossils of Neanderthal teeth. The four fossils they tested were between 42,000 and 50,000 years old, and they came from two different areas. Two were from Spee Cave in Belgium, and two were from El Cidron Cave in Spain. In tests of their dental calculus, which is the hardened result of plaque buildup, they found, perhaps unsurprisingly, that the Neanderthals from Belgium ate a different diet than those from Spain. The first, subsisting on woolly rhinoceros, wild sheep, and wild mushrooms, delicious, with the latter relying on a meat-free diet of pine nuts, moss, mushrooms, and tree bark. Mildly less delicious, in my opinion. But hey, if you're a vegetarian, there you go. One of the Spanish Neanderthals was not in good shape. The DNA evidence showed he suffered from a dental abscess and the intestinal parasite known as microsporidia, which causes severe diarrhea. 
He, but not his Spanish companion, had been eating a steady diet of poplar. Poplar contains salicylic acid, which is the active ingredient in, you guessed it, aspirin. Even more surprising, the fossil also showed signs that he had been eating plants covered in penicillium mold, the source of the antibiotic penicillin. That's right, this Neanderthal may have been using a form of an antibiotic that wasn't developed until 40,000 years later. A self-medicating Neanderthal, with knowledge of medicinal plants and their various anti-inflammatory and pain-relieving properties? That's certainly in stark contrast to the rather simplistic view of our ancient relatives that exists in the popular imagination. You know, every time I hear about the diets of Neanderthals, it's different. Which makes sense, right? Because depending on where you are in the world, you're going to eat different things. And yet we talk about like paleo humans as all eating the same like paleo diet. Mm. It's not true. I mean, like some were vegetarians, some ate a lot of carbs, some ate a lot of meat, some ate mushrooms and woolly rhinoceros. I'm going to start the woolly rhinoceros diet. How about that? Ooh, there you go. Yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by Purple Mattress. The quality of your sleep affects the quality of your daily life. And if you want to spend your day hunting woolly rhinoceros, wild sheep, and wild mushrooms for dinner, then you won't be able to get away with a sleepless night. And if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a Purple Mattress. The Purple Mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses a brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. So it feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time. The Purple Mattress keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable so it sleeps cool. It is not like the memory foam you're probably used to. When you order, you'll get a 100-night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. It's also backed by a 10-year warranty with free shipping and returns. You're going to love Purple. And right now, Curiosity Daily listeners will get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. And that's on top of all the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text CURIOUS to 84888. The only way to get this free pillow is to text CURIOUS to 84888. That's C-U-R-I-O-U-S to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. Who says cows can't talk? According to new research from the University of Sydney, every moo has meaning. Cows have unique voices they use to communicate feelings to each other. Are they excited, aroused, or distressed? We just have to listen to them to find out. PhD student Alexandra Green from Sydney's School of Life and Environmental Sciences is the person behind this moving discovery. Over the course of five months, Green listened to a herd of 18 Holstein Frisian heifers. She recorded 333 samples of cow sounds in different contexts. She wanted to find out what sounds do cows make when they're interested in mating or about to eat. And what do they say when they're denied access to food or isolated from their cow friends? According to Green, the sounds the cows make are special and convey feeling. And the sounds were relatively consistent across positive and negative situations. This kind of variation in moos helps the cows to stay connected to their herd, but also to express excitement, arousal, engagement, or distress. Green traveled to Saint-Étienne, France, to analyze her cow recordings with some of the world's leading bioacousticians. Together, they listened to the clips and found clear individual cow voices. Before Green's research, scientists knew that cow mothers and their babies could communicate through lowing. But this is the first time we've been able to find that cows use individual voices to communicate throughout their lives. 
The hope is that farmers around the world will be able to use this research to get closer to their cows and improve their welfare. By listening to their cows, farmers may be able to figure out who needs more individual attention. As Green's academic supervisor says, it's like she's building a Google Translate for cows. That probably means we need to update that old McDonald's song, huh? On that farm, he had a cow and the cow was like, excuse me, I would like to order some grain and a trough of water, thank you. Doesn't, doesn't really have the same ring to it. It doesn't rhyme either. No. Well, I learned a lot today, including the fact that you can name your sadness, and if you treat it like a person, you may be able to deal with it better. Darn you, Gwendolyn. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get you. And we learned that Neanderthals may have used a form of aspirin and penicillin 40,000 years ago. Man, if only they had filed a patent, they'd have so much money. Man, they really missed out on the capitalism gains mm-hmm. that they could have gotten. Sick gains. Sick gains. Sick sweet gains. They were too busy making gains hunting rhinoceros and stuff. Well, and researchers at the University of Sydney showed that cows basically have individual voices that can convey lots of different emotions. Cows do talk to each other. I feel like this is something that we all knew intuitively, but, you know... Science has to get in there and be like, let's let's find out. All right, they do. You're right. Did you intuitively know that cows talk to each other? Of course. Animals animals can communicate. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't really survive in nature if you don't communicate. Right? Or in the workplace. Because we're learning that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Today's stories were written by Ashley Hamer and Kelsey Donk and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Script writing is by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgen. Curiosity Daily is produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.